0: Well, hey, thank you so much for joining us, church. Uh, Would you open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1? We're going to tackle verses 3 to 5 this morning as we talk about protected by God's power, being protected and being guarded by the power of God. Earlier this week, our van, our family van that we had for about five years, uh, we're having problems with it, and it, kind of just died on us uh, last uh, week, you know, and uh, uh, when we bought the car, we bought it from a mechanic who owned a transmission shop. So apparently a customer came in complaining about transmission problems and he was able to get it fixed. He bought it from the customer and he fixed the transmission and he sold it to us. And while he, because he's a mechanic, his pitch to us was, hey, I fixed the transmission, I rebuilt it. But I also changed the timing belt, the water pump, the, uh, the thermostat. I changed the, um, all the belts, all the dry belts and everything, the rack, the pinion, the power string pump. And he said, and whenever you come into problems or you're having issues with a car, just call me, Pastor. I got you. I'm like, all right. So uh, plus he gave us a discount, too. So we bought the car when we got it a couple months later we ran into problems so i gave him a call it's like oh uh, you know what pastor i'm i'm kind of busy right now i'm like oh okay uh just call back next week so i called back next week he goes oh, i still got cars on the on the rack right now i can't work on it so we waited about 2 weeks and he was able to take care of some leak and um, um about a year later i called him back and it's like hey uh, how's it going do you think uh he could take care of the car. ran into problems, and it's like, uh, "You know what? what? What what symptoms do you have?" I'm like, uh, "You know, it's the temperature is going up and down." You know what? Just try YouTube it, and if it's the thermostat, you could just buy a new one and just YouTube it. I'm like, "What?" <laughs> and of course, cars being cars, and, you know, even though it was a Honda 2007 Honda minivan Odyssey. Uh, we still ran into problems, and he eventually stopped taking my calls, and he eventually start, stopped, uh, he started clearing my calls and not calling me back, and all that to say is that, you know, what he initially promised, like, hey, whatever you need, I'll be there for you, I'll, I'll come and fix it, you're a man of God, uh, when push comes to shove, the car eventually died, um, he wasn't around, he was like an absentee landlord, you know, like he over. Overpromised but yet under he was there from the beginning but through the middle when things got tough and the cars started having problems the van started encountering uh, different issues he wasn't around well this is the very opposite of god um, in our passage today in our text we're going to see that god blessed be god praise be to god because he made us born again he made us new he made us alive to an inheritance that is unfading, kept in heaven for you. And he, he made us alive. He made us born again through the resurrection of the dead. But in verse 5, he's, it says that He is going to guard us throughout the whole process until our faith becomes sight, until the revelation of Jesus Christ. He's going to guard us with His power. All right? So let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. In verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. And this is what I want to focus in on, is who by God's power are being guarded through faith, for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. This is the word of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Now, if you notice, in these first 12 verses, there are no commandments uh, given. In other words, Peter doesn't give instructions. He doesn't give ethical instructions or requirements on directions and how they're to live their lives and while they're encountering persecution and how to navigate through their faith. There are no commandments in these nine verses from verses 3 to 12. And what Peter is doing here is that he's not telling us what to do, but he's telling us what to enjoy. He's not exhorting us, but he is exalting God. Remember that Peter begins this paragraph, not with commands or instructions, but he begins it with what? With worship. Remember last week that we don't have a microwave spirituality, that we just don't go straight into application. We just don't microwave so that we can get through the good stuff. But we actually uh, don't skip the process, but allow a foundation of theology, a foundation of God. And here he has this foundation of worship. Remember the word blessed be or praise be to God is the word baraka uh, is in Hebrew, but in Greek it's eulogetos. Means, it means to praise or to uh, bless God. And he starts off with blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. His aim is to move us first and his, Peter's aim is to lay this foundation. Hey, before we get through quote unquote the good stuff, We need to lay this foundation down. We need to lay the solid rock because if we don't have a foundation, Jesus says that when the winds come, the rain and the storm, it pours down on us, we'll be washed away and we won't be able to stand. But if we have a good foundation of gospel-centered theology, if we have this good foundation of obedience, good foundation of of worship to God, then we will be able to withstand, withstand the trials and the tribulations and the adversities of life. That whatever may come, come what may, we'll be able to withstand and stand firm. What this series is about, stand firm in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Like, So I want to show you this diagram. This is uh, Ephesians 1 verses 3 to 12 in the greek all right and the main point of this if you look in the diagram is that it's a blessing to god and the second point i wanted to get to is that uh, he he guards us or he protects our faith see uh, peter he starts off with god in the center That God is great in mercy, that God is the subject. God causes us to be born again. God causes us to a living hope. God raised Jesus from the dead. God promises an indestructible inheritance. God is keeping and He's guarding and He's protecting us, protecting our inheritance so that it will never perish, it will never soil, and it will never fade. You see, we may know God as merciful. You may know that God has caused us to be born again. You may know that God raised Jesus from the dead. You may know, you may know that God has kept a promise, inherited uh, an inheritance for you until Jesus Christ returns. But do you know that what God has started, He is faithful to complete He is faithful to perfect. I think every year God reminds us when it's New Year, when it comes to New Year's resolutions and uh, having these goals in our minds. We start off well. We may go to the gym and we may have our gym membership or we may eat right, but give it a couple of days, give it a couple of weeks, give it a couple of months. We're excellent starters, but we're poor finishers. But God is different. God, He's the Alpha, the Omega, the first, the last, the beginning, and the end. And everywhere in between, God protects, God guards us, His people, the elect, the chosen people of God, the elect exiles uh, through His power. We may know all about all these things about God, but He started salvation until. The day of Jesus Christ's return, we have this inheritance, but what about now? What about the time between being born again, being newborn, 1 Peter 1.3 says, to verse 12, until the day of His return? What about the temptations and pressures, stresses, uh, weariness, persecution, frustrations, suffering confusion, anxiety, perplexity, fears, or traps that we face right now. What happens in this in-between? Does God do anything about that? Does He send His Son to die for our sins, raise Him from the dead uh, to open us eternal life? He causes us to be born again. Then He just kind of stands back and, it's, and just kind of uh, passively uh, waits to see if we will make it to heaven. You know the analogy of the person, the mechanic we bought the car from. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get you, and I'll, I, I set everything up. I did the timing, but all these different preventative maintenance. But when things went down, when things went south, he was absentee. He wasn't around. And Peter here, he's not about to leave that question unanswered, or he's not even implicit about implicit about it. He makes it abundantly clear. And the the answer is found in verse 5. So here's the main point that I want us to um, walk out with this morning by faith. Would you write this down? God's power protects us for salvation by sustaining our faith. Let me say that again. The power of God, okay, it protects us for what? For salvation. Ultimately, That our souls are secured and when Jesus Christ returned, we are saved. But how does God protect us for salvation? By He sustains our faith. You see, those of us who are born again, we are being now. Right now, at this moment, as you hear my voice, the power of God protects you through faith for salvation to be revealed at the last time. So Peter's answer is, no, God just doesn't sit back. He just doesn't provide salvation and then, okay, when Christ returns, then I'll do something. After He causes us to be born again, God uses divine power to protect us, to guard us, to sustain us through all of life, for salvation to be ready to be revealed. And what Peter wants us to see here is that God means for His people that we are to be profoundly secure in Him. He wants us to feel that God Himself, the Creator of the heavens and the earth, this almighty, omniscient, uncreated, holy being, God Himself is doing everything that is necessary. God is doing everything that must be done to guarantee and to finalize and to complete your salvation. Look at God's protection and guaranteeing our salvation. Look at how Paul says it in Romans 8. We all know Romans 8.28, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. Let me pause there real quick. We all know Romans 8, 28. Lecrae even had an album, A-T-W-T. All things work together for the good. But verse 29, do we know verse 29? Why, how do we know that all things work together for the good? Why does all things work together for the good to those who love God? Let's Read verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, look at the key verses here or the key verbs. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called and those whom he called he justified and those whom he justified he also glorified do you see here uh, paul's uh, theology of our salvation his understanding of god at work Those whom he foreknew, he predestined. Those whom he predestined, he called. Those whom he called, he justified. Those whom he justified, he will glorify. So every step of the way, we see that God is at work in your salvation. It's from start to finish. The salvation of God is comprehensive. Remember that uh, in the elect exiles in verse 1, we see the triune God at work, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They are at work to ensure, to protect, to sustain, to guard you, that what God starts, He will finish. Philippians 1 7 says, right, Paul, hey, um, I'm confident in this. What's your confidence in? Paul says, That he who began a good work, he is faithful to complete. God is faithful to perfect it. When? Until the day of Christ. Until the day of Christ's return. So Peter here, he starts off with praising God because we've been born again. And I love that, being born again. It doesn't mean, notice it doesn't mean to um, be better that God causes us to be a better person. God causes us to make wiser decisions. God causes us to be a better version of ourselves. God causes us not to, you know, give this church thing a try or give this Jesus thing a try. But you have been born again, that you've been made new. Number one, would you write this down? You've been born again to a living hope. The purpose of you being born again. And I love 1 Peter 1, 3-12 because it's just pregnant with life. It talks about resurrection, that we have a living hope, that He made us alive. And this idea of living hope or being born again, God promised it way back even in the Old Testament. Let's look at Ezekiel chapter 26, verse 36. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will put remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. See, being born again, being made alive, being regenerated of the Spirit means that you have a new heart, you have a new spirit, you have a new set of desires to to please God and to love God. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 6. Then the Spirit of the Lord will rush upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be turned into another man. You'll be turned into another person. You'll be turned into another woman. In other words, when God makes you born again, you have a new heart. You have a new spirit, you have new desires, and you are a completely different person. Paul says in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 17, that therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new, and that you are a new creation. Now in Greek, there are two words for New. One is neos, okay? It means pertaining to being in existence, but relatively in a short time. It means like a fresh version of, like a neo-orthodoxy or a neo-conservative. It's, you're still a conservative, but you're a, a different kind of conservative. Or, um, but there's another word uh, for new, which is kainos. And what kainos is, which is found in Second Corinthians five seventeen, it's that which is recent in contrast to something old. In that, the old has become obsolete. The old is um, has been replaced by something that is categorically new. And this word new is, as a rule, its superior in kind to the old so you've been born again God has made you alive it's, it's kinda like this the you know my son uh, Judah he loves riding his um, one wheel see one wheel is a motor transportation but before that he was just riding a, a bike and then he upgraded Naos to a, a one wheel He had a scooter, you know, you still had to push, but then he got a new mode of transportation, which is a one-wheel that he rolls around in it. But a Kynos, something completely new that replaces the old one, a mode of transportation, it'd be like from a skateboard to a private jet. Still mode of transportation, but it's a completely different thing. And this is how God made us alive in Christ Jesus, and that we've been made into, born again into a living hope. Number two, would you write this down? Trust God's power to protect your faith. We have to trust. We have to rest in God's power to guard and protect our faith. Let's read verse 5. It says, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Now this word power uh, in Greek is dunamis, where we get the word dynamite. Now when we think of dynamite, we think of things that explode, right? But that's not what uh, dunamis means. That's not what power means. Power means that He gives you the ability or the capacity to do something. And God gives us the ability to guard our faith until Christ returns. And what God God is guarding is you, but specifically He is guarding your faith. Do you remember when Peter, uh, during the, the crucifixion week, the Holy Week, as Christ was about to be crucified and Jesus knew that Peter was going to betray him, that Peter was going to renounce his faith. Remember what Jesus told uh, Peter in Luke? Why don't we turn there? Luke chapter 22, verse 31. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission, to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, once you have turned again, the word turned again means like to be restored. Once you've been restored, you would strengthen your brothers. Jesus, he prays for Peter. He prays for you that our faith may not fail. You see, listen guys, your salvation is secure. It's not through your performance, it's not through your obedience, it's not your um, adherence to the law, it's not through your good intentions, but it's by the finished work of Jesus. It's through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. It's not so much in the strength of our faith, it's in the object of our faith, which is Jesus Christ. But listen, God promises to protect, and God protects, and He guards you. He protects, and He's strengthening your faith. Salvation is already set. If you're in Christ Jesus, He's, as Romans 8 says, right, that He's called you. That he's predestined you that he foreknew you that he justified you but he will also glorify you and the means through which we are being saved is through our faith in christ that we stand firm in jesus that no matter what happens there's this phenomenon uh, phenomena in Greek uh, grammar, it's called emphatic future negation which simply means, you guys, that this is the strongest way in the Greek language where you communicate that something will never ever happen. The technical term it's it's uh, ume it's two negative particles put together with a subjunctive uh, verb all right Now let me show you some of the things that God says he will never that will never ever happen okay let's look at uh, Matthew chapter 24 verses 34 through 35 Truly I say to you this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Verse 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never ever pass away. The disciples were asking Jesus, when is the kingdom gonna come, what's happening? And Jesus says, promises, hey, this generation will not pass, You're gonna experience a kingdom, but listen, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never, ever, ever, ever pass away. In other words, what Jesus is telling his disciple, there's not a slight chance in the world that what he just told them will not come to pass. Heaven and earth will pass away first before Jesus' words, will will happen there will need to have be a universal upheaval before his words pass away you think about it what is the tallest mountain in the world highest peak mount everest which is 29,032 feet Mount Everest, 29,032 feet, will dwindle down, will pass away. It will erode to dust before God's word passes away. There's no way, no how, no way, Jose, forget about it. That God's word will pass away. God is faithful to complete His promise Let's look at John chapter 10, verse 28. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. This is a powerful picture, and it must be gazed and meditate, meditated by all believers until every dimension of this picture is forever grained in our mind. The true flock of Jesus, if you're a follower of Christ, you will never perish. You will never, ever forget about it. There's no doubt about it. You know, It's ironclad guarantee that you will never perish. You will never die in your sin. You will not pay for the penalty of your sin. You will not suffer death because of your sin, if you're in Christ Jesus, because Jesus died your death on the cross, because Jesus, you will never be forsaken here on earth, because Jesus was forsaken for you at the cross. You will never not be loved by God, because listen, God poured out His, His anger and His wrath on His only begotten Son, and all we have to do is believe in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. You will never perish in your sin. Hebrews 13, verse 6. Keep your life free from the love of money. Be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. God promises he will never leave, he will never forsake, he will never abandon. Let me close with this, you guys, that God is a covenant-making and he's a covenant-keeping God. In Genesis chapter 15, where God promises, I, Abram, he didn't even change his name to Abraham yet, he says, Abram. I'll make you a father of many nations. Go out to the stars and look at the sky. The stars of the sky, your descendants will be more than that. the sand of the sea. I promise you'll be, you're going to have a son, and even in your old age, 75 years old, you, you will have your posterity and your line will go on, and you will have generations after generation. You'll be father of many nations. And usually. In the Old Testament times, they would seal an agreement or they would cut a covenant. In Hebrew, it's berit karat. They would cut this covenant where they have agreed upon, right? And it's usually, um, it's a suzerain vassal covenant, meaning that there's uh, someone who's higher or more powerful and someone who's lower. Obviously, God here is the more powerful one and Abram's the lower one. And so when God promises and makes the deal, they seal the deal by cutting a covenant. In Genesis 15, you're going to read, they get animals, livestock, they line them up, they cut them in two, okay? As they cut them in two, they separate them, and usually one party walks through it, and the other party walks through it implying that if i don't keep my promise if i don't keep my covenant i am as good as these dead carcasses that we're going to walk over these bloody carcasses i might be as well as these guys if i don't fulfill my promise you know what happened in genesis 15 god caused abraham to fall asleep so abraham didn't have to abraham didn't have to walk and make that covenant but guess who there's a A fire, a pillar of fire that walked in between those two uh, carcasses, in between that. Meaning that God promises that no matter what happens, He's going to keep His promise. And if God promises to guard your faith, listen church, take your security in that. Take rest in the promises of God. Rest in the efficacy and the power of the cross. Stand firm in the gospel. Because no matter, it's only going to get worse. Jesus says, hey, you can tell the signs, you know, you can tell the weather if it's going to be rainy or whatever, but you can't tell the signs. Things are going to get worse before they become better. And we're going to go through trials You're going to go through problems where your faith will be tested. But listen, the good news is that God's power to protect your faith, to sustain you, is alive and well. He's not like man that he should change his mind or that he should lie. And I want to close our time here with a quote from Charles Spurgeon. He says, Christ is all in all, remember therefore, it is not thy hold of Christ that saves thee, it is Christ. It is not thy joy in Christ that saves thee, it is Christ. It is not even faith in Christ, though that may be the instrument, it is Christ's blood and merits. Therefore, Look not so much to thy hand with which thou art grasping Christ as to Christ. Look not to thy hope, but to Jesus, the source of thy hope. Look not to thy faith, but to Jesus, the author and finisher of thy faith. We shall never find happiness by looking at our prayers, our doings, or our feelings. It is what Jesus is, not what we are, that gives rest to the soul. Amen? Let's go ahead and pray. Uh, Jesus, we love you. We thank you, Lord God, that our salvation is secure, that your promise, it still stands. And so, Father, I pray right now that no matter what our, your people are going through, whether it's sickness, maybe it's divorce, maybe it's wayward kids, maybe it's our health, maybe it's financial crisis. Um, Lord, I pray, even, maybe even it's death. Your word says that nothing can separate us from your love. So Lord, I just pray right now that you would fill us with confidence, you would fill us with hope that neither death nor life, nor principalities, nor angels, nor demons, nor things above, nor things below. Nothing can separate us from your love. So Lord, this morning we stand firm as your people. We love you. We worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, you guys. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining us. I, I pray that 1 Peter has been a blessing to you, that you've been inspired and equipped to stand firm in God's grace and praise God, and that, that uh, resolve would lead into the worship of God. Hey, it's our last uh, weekend, last Sunday, before camp starts tomorrow. So if you haven't yet registered your junior or high school students, make sure to get them registered and we'll lord willing if you can join us tonight 5 p.m at the academy learning hub we'd love to see you all right we love you guys have an amazing week take care